Today I wanted to talk a little bit about the power of love. Now, before I came into the sanctuary, I was met by about six different people telling me they came just to hear me preach today. Lord have mercy. (laughs) So no pressure at all. (laughs) See, the word love appears over 500 times in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And love may be one of the most overused words in the English language. We love our dogs. We love our cars. We love our kids, our family. We love Facebook and ESPN. We love to travel and here in Mobile, we love to eat. See, sometimes I think we just love to love. I was told by a 14-year-old teenager last night I love you, Mom. Sometimes love even makes us a little bit suspicious. You never know what they want. Sorry, Kira. (laughs) See, everywhere we turn, there is talk or discussion about love. Movies have been made about love. Songs have been written about love. Over the years, Love the One You're With has been a cover for many artists. But no one in here knows that one, right? See, Huey Lewis, Celine Dion, and Tina Turner, just to name a few, have hopped on the love train. Even my daddy continues to say, don't look for love in all the wrong places. Now that's a story for another time. See, Robbins, Kathy Woods, and I have engaged in conversations about love. And between the four of us, with over 200 rotations around the sun, and yes, some of us have more rotations than others, we have been love-struck, love-sick, and have experienced first loves and even puppy love. I'm probably embarrassing my daughter right now with all this love talk. But that's okay, because we all need to understand that there is a power in love. Paul, in his letter to the church at Rome, is writing at the end of what is considered a major phase of his ministry. In this letter, he is addressing the meaning of identity between the Jews and the Gentiles, from diet restrictions to who are the elect of God. See, Paul understood the ethnic composition of the Christian groups in Rome and through his letter provided counsel in the hope that both groups would learn to worship God together. So let's imagine for just a moment that we are the recipients of this letter from Paul, but not with today's access to Google, theologians, and commentaries. See, we have gathered together to hear what Paul has written to us. Chances are we're not sitting in our Sunday's best and in a space large enough to accommodate over 1,000 people. There probably isn't much elbow room, yet we wait in expectancy because we gather out of excitement and anticipation and not out of obligation There is power in community. See, as someone begins to read this letter out loud, we are told there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
we are told for those who live according to the flesh sets their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit sets their minds on things of the Spirit. We are told, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit since the Spirit of God dwells in you. See, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. These are Paul's words. We are told, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So as we digest who we are in Jesus Christ, and as we celebrate the Spirit of God in us, a tide of spiritual excitement begins to rain down, and together we hear, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? See, this format is indicative of the Jewish parallel to the question and answer sequence. And because we are told in chapter 8 many of the ways in which we identify in Christ and to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the answer for this question calls for reflection rather than interpretation. This statement, who will separate us from the love of Christ, is posed as a rhetorical question and is rooted in the high level of confidence and the assurance of who we are in Jesus Christ. See, it reminds me of when my parents would want to have a serious conversation with me as a teenager. And my dad would bend down, he was 6'4", and would bend down and look deep into my eyes and in a very deep voice ask, Are you in there? I mean, the answer is obvious. I was in there. I mean, I was confident I was in there. But their question was a speculation of my disengagement, not about the interpretation. It was about my reflection of what was happening at that moment. See, when we acknowledge the Holy Spirit at work in us, the answer is obvious and not in need of a reply. We are called to communally hear the question and through the inner working of the Spirit reflect upon the answer. So I ask you this morning, what outward crisis, hardship, or distress is hindering your ability to live in your baptism, unable to serve or give cheerfully while feeling as if you've been separated from the love of God? A rhetorical question with an inward reflection. See, in this passage, Paul quotes Psalm 44, 22. And he mirrors the sentiment of letting us know that we are not alone in our, outer, in our outer turmoil. That as Christ followers, we face daily adversity through personal attacks and preconceived notions. Sometimes we witness the abuse of power against us and we face challenges that have been experienced by many of God's people. But see, Paul reminds us 
that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit who is in us, we go above and beyond what God is calling us to do. See, we are not grim stoics who manage to muddle through life. We are victors who have found from our experience that God is ever-present in our trials, not just in the good times, and that the love of Christ will empower us to overcome all. We have the assurance and the confidence of God's love that we will strive to make a difference in not only our lives, but in the lives of others. It is because of Christ who loves us. It is because of our love for Christ. It is because of our faith in God's divine work in us. It is because of our faith in a living, daring confidence in God's grace that we move through turmoil and not fester in it. We overcome adversity and continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. John Wesley shares in his journal of 1738 that he was listening to Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. And it was in his, this moment that his heart became strangely warmed. Wesley said, I, I felt I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given to me. Do we trust in Christ alone? Do we trust Christ enough in the midst of all that is happening to know that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God? Do we understand through our daily living, that we are challenged all day and every day, where our hearts may be distracted from communion with God. It is through this assurance that we strive to live into a life full of love and God's grace. For there is a power in love. See, we live into a sacred space where we believe and trust in Christ alone, where neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. See, this list moves from physical danger to anything else in all of creation. And though it is true that life contains its full share of hardships, when we are being led by the Holy Spirit, it is because of the Spirit that God dwells in us. There is absolutely nothing. There is absolutely nothing that can separate you, that can drive a wedge between you and God. This is the power of love. Love is not an overused word. It is a response to our assurance that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. 
See, when we love through Christ, we have the power to transform lives and the communities around us. When we love through Christ, it gives us the confidence and assurance that perfect love casts out fear. When we love in Christ, we know that there is a power in love. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. See, this passage gives us an opportunity to reflect how the hardships and difficulties in our lives have attempted to separate us from the love of Christ. But nothing can separate you from God's love. My mother passed away in 2009, and I felt as if I was separated from God's love. But it is through her death that I was able to go deeper into my love in Christ. Let us live out our baptism through the power of this love with assurance that nothing, no wedge, no person, no thing, no illness, no death, no divorce, no pain can separate us from God's love. Let us pray. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we loved, but that he loved us. Beloved, since God loved us so much, Through the power of love, we also ought to love one another. If we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love lives on. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.